and take your Bibles and turn over to 2 Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to be continuing in uh, Paul's letter here. And after Paul uh, last week uh, through Santo gave some encouragement and clarification about some unsettling fake news uh, about the second coming of the Lord. And uh, now he's hoping to uh, encourage and to stabilize them in their faith is where we find ourselves today at the end of chapter 2. So when you get there, uh, go ahead and stand up uh, for the reading of God's holy and inherent word. So we start in verse 13, okay? Verse 13. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the teachings we pass on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. The word of the Lord. You can take a seat. So as I begin um, our, our time this morning, I want to ask a question. My question is this. When is a time when you were shaken in your faith? When is a time when you were shaken in your faith? Every day. Yeah. Every Maybe there was a significant time <laughs> when there was a, a death of a, a loved one or something significant happened in your life. Maybe a devastating sickness of a child. Maybe a loss of a job or a life-changing event that you experienced, and sometime there was a shaking of your faith. Yeah. The other question is this, what stabilized you in that time? What stabilized your faith when it was shaken? See, like the, the young Thessalonian church here, there was a time for them where their faith was shaken. We just said a minute ago they were hearing some fake news. They were experiencing persecution and suffering. And the church was struggling. They were shaken in their faith and needed to be stabilized. When I think about that question I'd ask you guys, for me, a period where I was shaken in my faith was when I first went off to college. It was a time where I was beginning to own my faith. I had grown up in a Christian household, became a Christian at a very young age, and yet it was a time where kind of my foundations were being tested. I was meeting people on a secular campus that didn't, not only didn't like God, they hated God. They wanted to tell me all the reasons I shouldn't believe in God or follow Him. And so you can imagine as a, a young guy, I was wrestling through a lot of different questions that were being proposed to me, both by students and professors and around the college campus. It was unsettling at times, but as I look back on that time period of my life, I see the hand of God settling me. 
bringing me back to himself, focusing me on his word, on his faithfulness, on his truthfulness, on his firm foundation. It was that that brought me back. Of course, I was connected to a good college ministry and to a good church, and that helped to ground me. But it was really a refocusing on God through his word that settled me in that time where I felt shaken. And this is, in effect, what Paul is doing with the Thessalonians here in our text. And this morning, we're going to see that because God chose us and called us to be his, we are to stand firm in the truth until the end. Remember here in Thessalonians, we have the end view in mind, right? We are looking forward to the time when Jesus will return. And the question now is, will we stand firm? The same question that was proposed to the Thessalonians is proposed to us. How are we going to stand firm? And so as we dive into this passage here in 2 Thessalonians, we're going to see really three encouragements from God in our standing firm. And the first is this, be encouraged by God's choosing and calling. Be encouraged by God's choosing and calling. Verses 13 and 14. Remember, Paul is trying to encourage these young, struggling Christians. It was Paul who, and his missionary band who brought the good news to the Thessalonians. Right? And just like we're trying to do here in Atlantic City, share the gospel and hope that the seeds are planted and God brings forth fruit, Paul and his missionary friends were doing the same thing. Went to that city and started to see people respond to the gospel. And yet something happened. Suffering and persecution arose, and Paul had to leave. And the question was, were they going to endure and persevere in their faith as these young Christians? See, they were persevering, and they were enduring, as we've seen through 1 Thessalonians in the 2 Thessalonians. But the question was, were they going to do it to the end? And Paul was concerned for those people like any good pastor should be. Concerned for them. Will they continue on till the end? And he seeks to encourage them with God's action on their behalf. God's choosing them and God's calling them to himself. So let's look at these two in order. God choosing us. I don't know if you guys remember school just started back up, but uh, sometimes in school we have recess, right? And recess, uh, we have different games that we play, right? And I'm sure all of us remember you know, being chosen out of the lineup, right? We hope to be chosen first and not last. <laughs> but remember what it was like to be chosen to be a part of a team. You felt special. You felt one. You felt like you were a part of that team. And you felt valuable. You had something to offer. But one of the ways that Paul tries to encourage these Thessalonian Christians and the way that we are to be encouraged is by God's choosing of us. We are to be reminded that God chose us before the foundations of this world. He elected us. He said, you are going to be on my team. You're going to be a part of my family. Verse 13 says, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved. Now, obviously, we know that God didn't choose us because he saw some inherent goodness inside of us. It's not that he saw or foresaw ahead of time that we were going to believe in him and live for him, and that's why he chose us. We know that he chose us because of his own love. 
his own choosing. It was his choice. It was by grace alone. And yet in verse 13 and throughout the letters of 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, it is an encouragement for us to know that God chose us. He set his heart on you and me. He gave us belief in the truth. Otherwise, we wouldn't believe in the truth. He gave us the spirit that we would be sanctified. Otherwise, we would not be sanctified. Amen. He is encouraging us with his work from beginning to end to show us that salvation from beginning to end is something that he does in us. Preach. That's right. From beginning to end, he needs to, he's reminding us that he has got and he's reminding us this morning that he's got this. And not only did God chose, choose us, but he carried out that action by calling us unto himself through the joyful proclamation of the gospel. Think back for a second. Who was it that brought the good news of the gospel to you? Maybe it was a parent, father, or mother. Maybe it was a coach. Maybe it was a pastor or a teacher. But they brought this message of the gospel to you, and you responded in faith. That's only because God allowed you, God helped you to respond in repenting and putting your faith in Jesus. See, Paul could say for the Thessalonians that he was the vehicle that God used to bring the gospel to them. God used the person to go tell other people about Jesus. And the life-changing good news of the gospel. And that's exactly what happened. Their lives changed. Everything flipped upside down, right? They realized that they were sinners before a holy and righteous God. They realized that they needed a Savior who was perfect, which they never could be, who would take the place of them to take their punishment. That's what happened in the Thessalonians. They believed the gospel message. They answered the call. They answered God's salvation call. Just like some of us have in this room. We have heard the gospel. God has sent somebody into our life. Many, many for us, many people into our lives. That has constantly shared the good news of the gospel. And thankfully we have responded. Just like the Thessalonians. But how does being reminded of God's choosing and calling make a difference in times of suffering and persecution, and especially in the face of lies? What difference does it make to be reminded of these things? Well, as I was thinking about that question, I thought about a few things. The first one is this, is that it assures us. It assures us. You guys might remember Philippians 1.6. And I am sure of this. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. So if I know that God has chosen me, if I know that God has called me, then I sure as heck know that he is going to see me through until the end. Amen? Right. If he started something, he is going to finish it. Right? What he begins, he completes. So whatever trial we're going through, whatever suffering we are going through, whatever lies that we are being faced with, this is to be an assurance, an encouragement, to say that as hard as it is, God's got this. 
You know, what it also does is it stabilizes us. It stabilizes. What does it mean to stabilize something? It means to take something that's out of control and get it a firm foundation, a firm footing, so that it can withhold the chaos around it. What's the best remedy for being shaken or unsettled by lies? It's the truth. It's the truth. The truth is the best remedy for lies. It may seem like a no-brainer, but we need to be reminded of that this morning. God's truth gives us a firm foundation and a firm footing. And that's what we're reminded of here. Well, sandwiched between kind of God's decisive action here in our text is actually a responsibility on our part. A responsibility on our part that God obviously helps us with, but it's an encouragement nonetheless to do something. And that's where we get to our second point here in verse 15. Be encouraged to stand firm in His truth. Be encouraged to stand firm in His truth. Look at verse 15. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us either by our spoken word or by our letter. So remember what Paul's doing here. He was calling them to remember what he had taught them, to hold the line because something was threatening their peace. Something was threatening their assurance. Something was threatening them with the lies that were being put forward. We see this earlier in chapter 2, verse 2. Paul says to not to, be, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word, or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. See, what was happening here was the Christians were waffling. They were being shaken and unsettled because of this fake letter that came and said they missed the day of the Lord. Pastor Santo talked about that in previous weeks. And so he has a right pastoral concern for his people to say, no, let me tell you and remind you of the truth that I already brought to you. See, as I said earlier, there are going to be times when our faith is tested, when our circumstances are going to unsettle us, when we are going to be faced with lies of various kinds, just like these Thessalonian Christians. You said before, maybe, maybe when you lose a job that you thought was secure, or you didn't get the job that you thought you were going to get, or maybe it was that you thought you were going to get a specific result out of a ministry event, and it didn't turn out all that well. Or maybe it seems like there's a new teaching that you're coming across that sounds good, but is actually deadly and harmful. What do we do when this happens? How do we get settled in our faith? Obviously, we go back to God's Word. Just like Paul reminded them of the truth from His Word, that's what we do. The best remedy for lies is truth. Delivered by God through His apostles. See, this is not some continuing tradition as some churches see this. It is the apostolic tradition, the apostolic truth, which we have in the New Testament, right? We don't need to guess what God's truth is because we have the Bible. In those times, they had the apostles in living flesh and actually present with them. 
And so they said, remember my spoken word when I was with you, but then when I was apart from you, remember the letters that I sent. And now what do we have? We have the letters that were sent, right? Remember the truth. And for them, they need to be reminded that God didn't come back yet. They didn't miss that. They didn't miss the return of the Lord. No one knows when Jesus is going to return. Elsewhere in the scriptures, we know that it's like a thief in the night when the Lord is going to return. And that our job is to keep our hands on the plow, keeping uh, firm and steadfast in the work before us. Yes, longing for the day that God is going to return. But keeping our eyes on Jesus as we carry out the work faithfully he's given us. But they need to be reminded of that. They were hoping for that day. See, as a soldier stands firm on the battle line, shield in one hand and weapon in the other, he is ready to fight the enemy no matter what is thrown at him. And in the same way, the Christian has his or her secure footing on the promises of God. His or her weapon is the Word of God. And we are established or we are strengthened by the Spirit of God. That's the way that you and I can stand firm against the devil and his lies. Left up to our own, we will not stand. He is stronger than us. Those lies will overtake us. But in Christ, we can stand against the devil and his lies, whether it's about the return of Christ or some other new teaching that we hear right now in our day. I want to remind us of what God says in Ephesians 6. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, that you may be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything, to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, with all prayer and petition at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. I don't need to remind us this morning that we're in a battle. Each and every one of us are in a battle. And we're facing lies. Now they may be different from one person to the next, but we're facing lies that seek to unsettle us, that seek to steal our joy and our peace in the Lord. The way that we fight is not with the weapons of this world, but with the weapons of God. God has his weapons. We are to do warfare. But that warfare looks different from a physical warfare. We use God's word. We use the, the fellowship of God's people. We use the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the gospel of peace. Those are our weapons. That's how we fight. Is that how you're fighting this morning? Is that how I am fighting our lives? Or are we trying to do it in our own strength and by our own means and our own ways? Maybe the reason we're not experiencing victory is because we're not taking up the right weapons. We're not employing the weapons that God gave us to fight them. May we be reminded of that this morning. 
It's a command for us to follow, but it's sandwiched, sandwiched between two beautiful promises of God's work on our behalf. And with that in mind, we're going to turn to our final point, which is to be encouraged by God's comfort and by God's strength. We started out looking at, at uh, God's encouragement of calling us and choosing us. And yes, there's something for us to do, but the way that this passage ends is by reminding us of God's good work. His work of comforting and His work of strengthening us in our time of need. See, the Bible often connects what God has done in the past with what He's doing in the present. And also what it does, it connects God, what God has done in the past with what God will do in the future. Right? How do we know God's going to protect us in the future or in the present? Well, He's done it before. I've seen Him do it before, and therefore, I can be assured that He is going to do it in what? The present. Right? Well, that's what's going on here. And we see that in verses 16 and 17. I'll read it again to refresh our memory. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace, comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word. So what has God done? What has God done that you and I should be encouraged by? Well, the text tells us that he has loved us. He has loved us with a love like no other. I'm sure that we could give testimony all in this room to how we have seen and experienced the love of God. How it's different from the love of a brother or a sister or a mom or a dad, a boyfriend or a girlfriend. That that love is so radically different that it changes us. It works inside us. It comforts us. It strengthens us in our times of need. We are told also that in His grace, He loved us and gave us eternal comfort or encouragement and a real hope that cannot be shaken by anything happening in the world around us or any of the lies that we're, we are trying to not believe that are coming inside of us. Nothing can shake that sure gift from the Lord. There is a real hope, yes, that He will return. Yes, that He will bring us through all the way to the end. This passage is full of comfort, full of strengthening, full of assurance. And it's not that God has just given us these gifts in the past, but that he does so in the midst of our persecution and our suffering. You know, I love using this verse when somebody is really in the thick of suffering. Psalm 46.1 says this, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. He's our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. God's not just a past help. He's a present help. He just doesn't work in the past or is working in the present, but he will work in the future to carry us through to the end. So what is God doing now? What kind of help is he offering to us now? We see here in the text that he is offering comfort. He is offering, offering strengthening and stability that will steady us in the times that we need. And that the God who has done these things in the past will continue to do them here in the present. As we work our faith out, 
See, the assumption here is that we are living for him. That we are seeking to put these things into practice, right? There is a responsibility on our part, even in these great encouragements, about what God is doing. It says that we are, as we're working out our faith in word and in deed, in our works and in our words, the text says. Right? And as we're doing that, we are to be encouraged by God's work in the past and in the present and in the future. We can be secure, which is the opposite of what we saw earlier in verses 2 and 3 about being shaken, about being unsettled, about being deceived. The idea of this promise here is the day-to-day grind of our trying to live for Him. That as we live for Him, that He will ground us, that He will strengthen us, that He will keep us on that firm foundation no matter what's happening around us. It may seem like everything is, is anything but firm, or anything but settled, or anything but stable. And yet, when we fix our eyes on the truth, we know that's not the way it is. We know that in Christ, we are stable. We are firm. We have a secure footing. We are ready for battle. And really, that's the only way that we can be ready for battle. See, we need to be reminded this morning that for those of us who are in Christ, those of us that have truly been born again, like we have talked about so many times, that our future is secure, and our future is sure, that nothing can shake that. That's a good reminder for us this morning. Nothing can shake that. What God starts, He will bring to completion. He has saved you, and He will see you all the way through to the end. He will help you to persevere. He is the only way that you and I can persevere to the end. I don't know about you guys, but that is a deep encouragement to me as I seek to live out my faith. In the face of my fears, in the face of the lies that I'm tempted to believe, in the face of unsettling realities of life and ministry and everything in between, to know that firm foundation of God's Word. To grab hold of that firm foundation and to hold the line and to do battle with his weapons and not my own. Yes, we have a responsibility to stand firm in the truth. But even more than that, we have promises to believe and to take hold of. Promises here in the text that will encourage us, that will strengthen us, that will not just give us a good feeling, but will actually help us in the midst of our struggle on this side of heaven. So as we continue to fight the fight here, and as we continue to, to look forward to a new school year, a new year of ministry, let's be reminded that God's got this. He's the one that's in control. He always has been. He is and will always be in control. He's the one who started this work, and He will see it through to Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you uh, give us your word, Lord, that we're not left in the dark, uh, guessing at what you want from us or what you want us to believe or how we can be encouraged, but that you spoke. And Lord, you spoke through the prophets and the apostles and you gave it to us in the Bible. 
And now that we have the Bible, Lord, what a gift it is uh, to us to remind us of your love for us, of your choosing us, your calling us, to remind us of your strengthening us in our present time of need. God, we pray that you would please truly encourage us today. Lord, we pray that your word would take root in our hearts and, Lord, that it would help us to go out and to live for you this week. Father, we need you, and we thank you, Lord, that you love us and that we are yours. We pray now that even as we come to your supper, Lord, the Lord's supper, that you would remind us of your love for us. You would remind us of what great lengths you went to to bring us into your family, to restore us back to you. God, we thank you, we love you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name.